Hello, you're very welcome to the uh, second up episode of uh, season two of the Two Hands and a Hurl podcast. So it's just myself, uh, Robbie Mansfield today, and uh, the the great uh, TJ Mills. Uh, Liam and Ricky aren't available for today. So uh, how are you doing, TJ? Uh, good, thanks, Robbie, and yourself? Ah, sure, not too bad. Just uh, busy with the homeschooling this week, you know, trying to uh, trying to keep the kids uh, educated. <laughs> uh, stressful at times, but uh, actually, it's it's good crack to be a uh, good time to be spending with the kids and stuff. So, how you uh, been doing? Yeah, no, it's um, just very quiet. I won't lie to you, but uh, going out very very seldom with the restrictions, and that's only going shopping or that. But um, yeah, no, there are brighter days ahead. So, kind of focusing on those. Um, yeah, where would you do the shopping? It's it's either I hope no guards are listening here, but <laughs> it's either Callan or Thomas Saint. So they're the nearest. Um, try and shop local as well. It's very yeah, yeah. But sometimes you have to you have to go to a supermarket. Like so, I think that's the one thing, and I, I don't mean to be harping on it about the 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 restrictions on the five k. It works well in cities. But when you're out in the country where you're about 10 kilometers or more away, it's harsh enough, harsh enough. Yeah, I, leave I know Michael that. Lee Ray was saying something about that before, wasn't he? He was saying that the like 5K in the country is like it's nothing like, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're in a city or a town or that, I mean, you have all the facilities around. Um, but for who I feel really sorry for is um, older people, pensioners or people that have to, say, go to post offices or that. I mean, it just shows the way things are decimated. I was thinking yesterday where I'm living f- five, about six, five or six miles away from Nottofer and Ballyhale. And I was just thinking years ago, there were two post offices within a matter of two miles of each other, Nottofer, Ballyhale. And then you look at Sonyford as well, had its own post office and then Kells as well. And it's the same all around the country. I don't mean to be focusing on Derry and Kilkenny. We know we have listeners all around, but it just shows that even though they had to kind of close them down because they weren't commercially viable at the time. It kind of just shows now with the restrictions how hard it can be on people and especially with banks as well. But uh, that's me rant over anyway. <laughs> rant over. <laughs> no worries. So we'll we'll crack on and we're going to go uh, to the retirements in the in the GA and also the uh, sad passing of uh, Eamon Ryan, who was. Um, the Cork uh, Ladies Football Manager, and he he won uh, ten Ireland titles in eleven years. So it's uh, he's up in the greatest of all time uh, manager conversation anyway. Um, so do you want to do you want to lead off with some of the retirements and kind of work into Eamon Ryan there? Yeah, there were two um, big announcements in Kilkenny during the week, and I know there's a lot around the country as well. But um, there be two people I know really well, and Dalton from St. Lactons and Freshford, uh, stalwart at Kilkenny senior team uh, for I don't know how many years. It's definitely gone into double figures, um, and win two All Irelands as well, uh, three club titles. Uh, sorry, three club All Ireland titles as well. And she was just an inspirational player for Kilkenny. She was a real leader. Um, it was evidence this year um, in the All Ireland semi final. The goal she got, the All Ireland semi final against Cork. The goal she got just before half time. Kilkenny were struggling at that stage, but that goal really gave him a foothold, and it just showed the inspirational player she was and she was the same 
off the field as she was on the field, just uh, just an inspiration. And daughter retirement from the Kilkenny Senior Hurling team is uh, of a good friend of mine, Paul Murphy. I know Paul Murphy for years and years and years. And um, he's actually an All-Ireland soccer goalkeeper as well, won a soccer All-Ireland uh, with secondary school. I was lucky to be part of that team as well. And he actually, if he didn't take up hurling, i say he would have made an... Um, League of Ireland in soccer as well. He was uh, a brilliant soccer player, uh, soccer goalkeeper, and actually won. It got us to the All Ireland final. He pulled off terrific saves in the semi final um, in school for the soccer. And yeah, he's going to be a big loss to Kilkenny going forward. Um, is there many of that uh, foreign row team left now? And we've got uh, TJ Reid and who else is kind of um, who's from that like foreign row team? You have me stumped now. I, I That's a question for our be, listeners, so yeah, I don't want to be dithering, but I know it's TJ Reed, Colin Fenley, Connor Fogarty. Um, I think Owen Murphy was there. I, I, no, I don't actually. Owen Murphy wasn't there, I don't think. It, it, it's actually scary. You'd need a piece of paper to write it down because there was an article there a couple of weeks ago, David Hurty. Uh, David Hersey done it. I don't mean to be changing the subject, but David Hersey was on the panel for a long time after, before he took over from PJ Ryan. So it's trying to cross off the players who you think was there and aren't, aren't there anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it kind of just it's it's a credit to Brian Cody in a sense that he's rebuilding a team again. That players are there for a number of years. That's you would think it'd be there longer, but just off the top of my head, it'd be definitely Tijeri, Colin Fenley, Connor Fogarty. Um, Jer, I think Jer Elward might have been. Might yeah, have been I suppose it's hard right. to know like who was there for the full four years, and maybe some guys would have been maybe yeah. a sub or something like that. You know, so it's a it's a it's a good question for pub quiz maybe in a few years maybe. Definitely, it's definitely one, <laughs> and it's one that after the podcast I'll be writing down names. I'll be curious because an awful lot of players would have come in around 2012, 2013, and if you think about it, that's nearly eight, eight or nine years now, seven, eight, nine years. So yeah, it's scary the amount of players is after passing through, and I mean Paul Murphy, Paul Murphy's around the team a very long time, but still he has four all earned medals, which is a terrific achievement. But if you look back, you had players with eight or nine. So it's hard to distinguish between the the ones that are just kind of newly there and a, after having great success and the players that are long gone after having great yeah, yeah. success kind of way. Um, True. And would you have uh, watched much of the, uh, the great uh, Cork ladies team that uh, Eamon Ryan managed? Yeah, no, I would have, I would have seen Cork when they, they came when they won their first All Ireland. Uh, Father being from Leash, I would have gone to a good few of the Leash ladies football matches at that time, and Cork were the real up and coming team. And the one thing you you have to say about it was like Cork didn't win their first on All Ireland until Eamon Ryan came in. And for a team that's after winning nine or ten All Irelands, that's that's strange to say that they only won their first All Ireland in the past, say fi- under fifteen year. So I mean, it's a great great credit to the work that Eamon Ryan done there. And if, by all accounts, I wouldn't have known him 
but by uh, there's a friend of mine would have interview, interviewed him for the media and he was an absolute gentleman off the field I was told and that's it it shows with the I know you hear tributes coming out from people and all of that when people die but I mean it, it's just sincerity with what's after coming out about Eamon Ryan and it's just really sad after fin- it's a great credit as well after finishing up at the Cork ladies footballers he was asked in to work with the Cork men's team as well so it just shows how good a manager he was and how good a football in person that he made the transition then to the Cork senior men's team as well and it's really sad I know he wasn't well for uh, a long time but um, yeah no he was just an in, he was an instrumental manager and uh, he'd be greatly missed yeah it'd be a, a sad passing to be sure uh, we're going to just move on to some uh, some more uh, positive uh, GA news which is the uh, all-star uh, nomination so the football ones came out yesterday and uh, the, the kind of short list for the the hurling player of the year uh, came out today. So you have uh, Groad Haggerty, Tony Kelly, and Shane Beth. So who do you think is going to win and um, and why? I think Groad Haggerty will win it um, because, it, uh, no offence, it kind of always favours Soller and winning team. And it is, he is a great player and Bennett is a terrific player as well. So it usually will come from the teams that made Dollar and final and then eventually Dollar and winners. So I think Groad Haggerty will win it. But I think for what he done this year, if it was me that was giving it out, I, I, I'd have to give it to Tony Kelly. I mean, he he single-handedly led Clare to the what I th- it was Dollar and quarter final, um, and I mean he he was just instrumental. I mean, scoring 13, 14 points a game. Some games he scored seventeen points. Um, he got Clare over Leash. It was a real dog a game in Nolan Park, and then he was instrumental in just dismantling Wexford. Um, and I think if it was my decision, I'd have to say Tony Kelly um, for just the consistency and the way he'd done it. I mean, if you look at the other teams, a team that would get to an all earned final, they don't really just rely on one player. I'm not saying, I, I think Claire did over rely on one player this year. And that's yeah. so, that's why I think. Um, and if you look at it, we're saying with Kilkenny, TJ Reid, an awful lot of press, pressures on TJ Reid as well. Um, so it's it, for Brian Cody, they have to look at. But going back, not going off topic, I think Tony Kelly had really deserve it for his performances this year. The score lines and just the distribution of the ball, he's an outstanding player. Yeah, and to be even in the conversation, having only got to the the quarterfinal uh, and having played obviously two games less than either two guys, you know, to even be in the conversation is uh, is great. Is great uh, shows how good his performances were. Um, but like yourself, I think uh, Groat Haggerty probably will win. Um, I don't think it always goes to like the All Ireland winners, but I just think for like Groat Haggerty was an outstanding player in a team of like outstanding players. So. He was kind of like leading the line there, um, but if you had Tony Kelly in, in maybe a team that had a bit more support, they could be knocking on the door for you know semi final or All Ireland final or something like that. You know the way. And uh, I think Shane Bennett as well. He just kind of had some mesmerizing uh, performances this year, and especially against Kilkenny. Um, 
he kind of played out with skin that day and some great skills. So three uh, brilliant players. And uh, just like the football nominations, um, I think this this one could actually prove your your point about the All Ireland uh, winners generally winning it because I think uh, Killian O'Connor will probably win it. Um, I think sometimes like with Mayo because they don't win the All Ireland, they do get like a little bit of a sympathy vote when it comes to the All Star nominations. And I think that um, for Dublin, the two Dublin guys, uh, Kieran Kilkenny and Brian Fenton, that in that Dublin team they're almost kind of because they've kind of had so many easy games because they're so good that like they don't really have that kind of moment where they drag the team to victory. Um, So I think for me, Killian O'Connor is probably going to win it. But I do think that uh, Brian Brian Fenton is just the most outstanding player in the GA at the minute and uh, he should win, but I think Killian O'Connor will win. Who do you think will win that one? Yeah, I, I'd agree completely with you. I think Killian O'Connor will win it. I mean, the, well, if it was my decision, I would give it to Killian O'Connor's performance against Tipperary in Dollar and semi final was immense. I think, what was it, about 480 scored? And that that was a really good Tipperary team. No, And they showed it. And now people might say Mayo took the foot off of the gas, but um, Tipperary took advantage. And I mean, they. They won the Munster final as well. So it's just show Tipperary were a really, really good team under David Power. Um, I agree completely with what you're saying with Fenton and Kilkenny. I mean, when you're when you're involved with just a team with class that Dublin have at the moment, it's very, very hard to kind of be really the shine out star, but Fenton is just a terrific player. Like, I mean, he's he's outstanding. Um I I I think I, I if it was me, I'd like to give it to Killian O'Connor. I won't lie, it could be the sympathy vote like you're saying, but I think his performance um, in the semi-final, and they were saying he wasn't an all-out forward either, and that was that was put to bed in dollar in semi-final. I f- kind of fancy Fenton to get it. I think the I think he will get Player of the Year, but if it was me, I'd give it to Killian O'Connor. Being honest. Yeah, I suppose like it depends like if they consider the league as well and stuff like that. And I suppose like when it came down to the big occasion in the All Ireland All Ireland final, like Killian O'Connor, he played well, but you know if he had of like pulled Mayo to victory, that kind of would have uh, put him over the top for me. But he kind of played well early on in that game, but kind of then kind of faded as Dublin became more dominant. So um, yeah, I suppose it's kind of an interesting debate. But yeah, the Tipperary team was really good and. They they definitely underperformed on the day and they made some silly mistakes which Killian O'Connor uh, capitalized on and you know it's not his fault that they gave him easy chances you know but uh, for the four eight or four nine like is I think it could be the highest score ever in a game is it I'm not sure but it's definitely up there anyway so uh, like, three uh, brilliant players in hurling and football there to be sure yeah if you think about it four nine would be twenty one points. Yeah, I mean, there's many a player didn't score that in their career, so <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'd be one of them anyway. Um, <laughs> I'd be the same, I'd be the same. <laughs> uh, so speaking of uh, points and points differences, uh, the uh, the Red Devils, Man United, are three points clear at top of the league. Um, massive game tomorrow. Uh, it's the first time United have been top since um. In three years, I think, and they were they were top in September, which doesn't really mean a whole lot. It's the first time they were top in January since 2013, when they went on to win the league. Um, 
So obviously Liverpool, a brilliant team, and they're kind of plagued with kind of injury and stuff this year. Um, so that's kind of almost, and United have gotten better with Bruno Fernandes. So they're almost kind of at in this moment, as Klopp likes to say a lot, uh, they're kind of on par with each other. Who do you see coming out on top uh, tomorrow? Uh, I was asked this question a couple of weeks ago and um, discussing with Ricky. Everyone knows Ricky supports United. I support Liverpool. And I thought it'd be a dead rubber game. I really did think it was a dead rubber game. I think it's more important now for Liverpool to try and go out and get the win. They have to go full out for it. I know it's, there's a lot of games to go yet, but... I mean, if they get a draw, United are still top. That gives them confidence. I mean, it just shows the, I won't say the luck. It isn't luck. It's momentum United are building. And that momentum comes from skill. And you have to be good to, you have to be a really good team to get a bit of luck as well. And I'm not just playing up United here, but they, I mean, from a stage where they're looking for Solskjaer to, to go, to now be top of the Premier League for the first time in January, as you say, from is it the 2012-2013 season. I'd fear going into it. I, I, I expect a, I really expect a big Liverpool performance. And if they go out and perform to the, the highest level of their ability, we might win it, might win one, two goals. It's concerning the form of Salah at the moment. And in, is Salah and... I mean, Salah is a match winner. And if you're on about the trouble we're having with injuries in the defence, the likes of Van Dijk missing, you need the big players up front to, to get you the scores. Because when you're missing players at the back, even though Fabinho is playing well, we still are conceding goals. And that's the worrying thing. It was seen against Southampton. So if we play to our, the best of our ability, we might win one or two, but... I'd fear going into it. I mean, it's it's kind of funny the the penalties United are getting, and I'm not saying they're not deserved or anything, because if you're putting pressure on, you're putting into you're putting yourself into position, you will get the decision maybe nine times out of ten. So that's fair. So if it's going down kind of the lines of a dead rubber. I'd be fearing because United could nick a goal. They showed it the other night. Paul Pogba wasn't in great form got the winning goal for United to go three points clear. So I know I'm, if Liam was here, you're saying just give a fucking answer. <laughs> I genuinely don't know, Robbie. I don't know. If you're looking on paper, you say Liverpool should be stronger, the likes of Salah, Mane, uh, Firmino, um, Diego coming back after injury, you could, should say. But then you look at Fernandes, Martial, Rashford, in great form for United as well. If it was a betting man, I'd probably bet on a draw. But if it's close near the end, no goals, I'd fear United might get the win. Yeah, I think United are definitely going to sit in because as you're saying, like um, they're in the driving seat now. And if they get a draw, if they can kind of uh, keep Liverpool at arm's length and hope that Liverpool slip up again and that sort of thing. And in general, kind of Solskjaer has got them to sit in against the bigger teams and uh, especially... um, away from home and that's kind of when they've got a lot of uh, good results they kind of beaten uh, City a few times and obviously against Liverpool they kind of um, it's been kind of nil all or one all or been kind of quite boring games and 
yeah. you know, like for all the kind of uh, the hype that the Liverpool Man United games do get, sometimes it can be like watching paint dry. Unfortunately, they Definitely. can kind of cancel for <laughs> Yeah. So I think it could unfortunately be like that. I really hope like that it's like if Liverpool like get a goal early, uh, then United will have to come out, and then you could you could possibly see either Liverpool thumping United or a real kind of end to end game where they're kind of going for going at each other, you know. So hopefully something like that happens that kind of draws United out and can be a real kind of uh, a great game, but uh can't see that happening though, to be honest. Yeah, the, the fear with what you said there, and I agree completely, Robbie, is if Liverpool go 1-0 up, you'd be kind of fearing if they don't get the second goal. That's the that's kind of Liverpool's Achilles heel at the moment. It, it was similar to, I know there's absolutely no comparison, but Ireland a few years back, they go a goal up and then they sit back and they don't get the second goal. Against United, which happened a couple of years ago, Liverpool got an early goal, went 1-0 up. I, I think Salah got, I'm not sure who got it escaped me, but I was watching the game and United equalised and then they went to goal ahead and or no, and then Liverpool were lucky to draw. That was, and then Manchester United got a goal the first time. And then it, it's kind of, if United got a goal, I, an early goal, I'd kind of fear, because if you're yeah. looking at the likes of the Southampton game, and that Liverpool had all the possession and the pressure, but they weren't able to convert the chances. So, yeah, if it was a betting man, I'd go for a draw. I'd go for a draw for Liverpool to win. They have to score twice. Score, I, I think that would be if United score early, I would fear, uh, but still, it, it's a big game for the likes of Salah. It really is. This is a game that uh, Salah really has to quite and to be impartial on it, yeah. Benton man, I'd go for a draw, nil all or one all draw. Yeah, I think it's going to be the same. Hopefully, not though. Uh, what do you make of the um. The kind of postponement of uh, games and the the ladies in their twenties, uh, Six Nations and uh, Champions Cup. Do you reckon kind of uh, the kind of the the men senior Six Nations could fall victim as well, or how do you see that going? I think for for commercial reasons, I know to be no supporters allowed, but for commercial reasons, I think it won't. I I can't see the men Six Nations being postponed. Um, it's the the ladies is completely different, and I I I don't think it's right. Actually, it shows up the shortcomings within the ladies game. I think they all should be professional. They should be on professional contracts, and they should be earning good money, and they should be the same testing structure that's in place. It it isn't fair on players to have. Uh, careers outside of rugby as well and that would be a thing that maybe Liam, uh, uh, Liam would be able to expand more on it in podcasts down the line but I think that's the big reason, the reason why the ladies game isn't going ahead is they're not fully professional players and they wouldn't be the same testing regime that would be going on and it's unfair for players to have to go play a game travel to countries where they it'd be dangerous at the moment to pick up a virus and then come home and then either have to self-isolate or it'd be kind of, it'd be a complication of passing it on to someone vulnerable that be close to them. Um, the under-20s would be the same. Um, now, I know an awful lot of under-20s would be playing provinces and that, but um, 
I, I think that would be kind of more excusable in a sense. And the same with the postponement of the ladies' game. But I think they have to look at going fully professional down the line. Um, the the real scare thing for the professional game of rugby, Robbie, I think is the postponement of the Champions Cup. Now, I know they're looking at maybe going straight to a knockout structure. There are talks of that yesterday. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it's... Like, if you're listening to the chief executive of the Irish Rugby Union, um, they're saying that the game is the, f- the future, the game's uncertain. The professional game is really uncertain. So, with the postpone- postponement of the Champions Cup or the changing of it or the withdrawing of French teams from it, it's going to be detrimental, I think. Now, Lean could completely say that what I'm saying is wrong because. Rugby's lean sport, GA is my first sport, but I'm a rugby fan as well. But I really would fear for the future of the game of rugby in Ireland, uh, unless things change, say, towards. Yeah, the I think it's kind of concerning. Sorry, go on. Oh, no, sorry, there's a delay there. Sorry, Robbie. <laughs> sorry, man. I was just going to say, yeah, I think it's concerning kind of uh, for kind of paying players and kind of stuff like that. You want to be kind of getting the revenue in, but I suppose like. The kind of one advantage of rugby that they do have is that the kind of the the money isn't as crazy as in soccer, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, you know, like you're not paying like guys, you know, a few hundred thousand pound a week sort of thing. So they yeah. don't have the same overheads as a soccer. Um, they're obviously not generating as much kind of revenue and stuff like that. But um, so like in a way that would kind of make it easier for them to kind of to limp forward, hopefully. Uh, until you know the middle of the year hopefully when things are kind of working back to normal um whereas like if like with soccer they have kind of like really good tv deals that's going to keep them afloat you know but um i think the rugby would rely more on the kind of the kind of the gate receipts and kind of stuff like that for games and especially for like the the lions tour as well um that's going to be a real big money maker for the south african rugby union and if that kind of moves up to the Northern Hemisphere, which you're kind of talking about, maybe using Crow Park for some of the games. Um, So that could be kind of, you know, bad for kind of them if that happens. But uh, it could be great. It would be great to see uh, the Lions in uh, playing in Crow Park. That'd be really cool, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be terrific. It'd be absolutely terrific. Um, I did see something and I was going to say it and then I I was hoping... It was in a kind of a Watford Whisper News kind of article, because if you're looking at something in Flicken and you say, geez, that seems too good to be true. But I mean, that'd be some boost. Uh, yeah, be epic. Would you rather them play in the well. Aviva? Um, I, I'd rather, maybe it's been sentimental here, but I'd rather Croke Park. It's just something about the atmosphere in Croke Park. I was yeah. in the Viva before Ireland played Australia, and it was just the atmosphere was outstanding. But I don't think there's anything can match Croke Park. Being honest, it's just I think now maybe it mightn't happen this year if there were crowds allowed in. There might be low numbers, but if could you imagine eighty what's it eighty five thousand supporters packing out Croke Park? Now it might be a bit less because in rugby. Uh, the same as soccer, the Hill 16 has to be seated. Uh, I yeah. stand corrected on that, but I think it has to be seated. So that might bring down the capacity by 
maybe 10, 15,000 or that, but still it'd be some terrific atmosphere compared to 46,000 in the Viva. Um, the one thing just with what you were saying there, and I agree completely with the, the amount of money wanting to be as strong in rugby, they are a fear for the Irish game in the sense, if you look at, say, the French and English clubs, I mean, the resources they have, maybe, maybe that might be drawn back a bit now because the crowd's not attending and the virus and all of that. But they were a draw to the likes of French and English clubs for a lot of Irish players. Um, I mean, if you look at Jonathan Sexton, Simon Zebo, uh, Tommy Bow, I think finished his career as well. Uh, they are they are kind of that they are that kind of money draw as well. That if if things don't change quickly, Irish, the Irish rugby scene may be at more of a disadvantage than say the French or uh, English. But um, yeah, I know. Hopefully, hopefully, kind of, we won't be more greatly affected than the rest. But that'd be the one fear I'd have. Um, if it fingers crossed, hopefully not. Yeah. So we're just gonna maybe uh, switch roles for a little bit, um, and you're gonna maybe ask me some questions about the playoffs. The playoffs are uh, they're on tonight and uh, tomorrow. So do you do you know anything about the games? I won't lie to you, Robbie. I know nothing <laughs> at all. <laughs> I should have done my research, but <laughs> Slim would say I'm Googling here fairly quick. Googling, um, no worries. I'll get chatting about the, the first game today, which is... Um, Packers and Rams. Sorry, I have it yeah. here now. <laughs> yeah. So I'll try and kind of sell the games uh, for the kind of the non-NFL fans. Uh, These are four great fans, or go, four uh, great teams, four great matchups, um, if you're kind of a fan. But uh, So basically, you have the Packers uh, against the Rams. So you've got a really uh, great uh, attacking team, uh, the Green Bay Packers, against uh, the best uh, defensive team uh, in the LA Rams. Um, so it's going to be an interesting kind of uh, contrast of kind of styles. Um, and like basically the Green Bay have, uh, they've kind of thrown, the quarterback has thrown for the most touchdowns and they have the best receiver. But the real key to their success has been their offensive line, which is the guys who protect the quarterback. So they give him like so much time to throw the ball and he's able to pick his passes. But they're coming up against uh, Aaron Donald, who is an uh, absolute monster, uh, who's going to be trying to <laughs> rip uh, the Green Bay uh, quarterback in half. So that's going to be an interesting kind of dynamic. And as I was kind of saying, the best receiver uh, in the league is Devontae Adams. He's going to be up going up against... Uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey, who's one of the best uh, at stopping these receivers, so that's going to be an interesting uh, kind of matchup. So your your beloved LA Rams are going to be in a, in a great game tonight. Yeah, uh, I'd love to say I understood all of that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know what I mean. I know you described it brilliantly, but yeah, it's a game I'd love to get in on, but it's just. I think it's the time difference, but then how long the game is as well. I mean, most of the games yeah. are on Saturday and Sunday, and if you're working the next day, even the the um, the Super Bowl, you kind of have to watch it the next day, and that kind of takes away because you're listening all day who won it. And but um, yeah, well, I, I think like we're definitely you know uh, watching the highlights of the games, you know. Like tomorrow is hit yourself down, you know, set aside like 15, 20 minutes and you'll be able to watch the highlights of both games. And, you know, even if you're just watching the highlights, you're going to see some really good stuff. But uh, yeah, definitely like it's it's a hard game to watch in terms of like the the longevity of it. 
you know, the way if you're, you know, you couldn't watch a couple of games in a day, like one game is probably enough. But um, yeah, so like that game is on at like a reasonable time tonight, but there's a game on at like a quarter past one, uh, which is one I'm not going to be saying to watch, which is the Bills versus the Ravens. And that's just uh, two great offensive teams that are just going to be going uh, score, score for score. They're going to be going up and down against each other. So, and you've got interestingly, Interestingly enough, you've got two young quarterbacks who were only uh, drafted in 2018, so they're really young and they're kind of they're uh, they're kind of take risks and stuff like that. So you got Lamar Jackson, Jackson and Josh Allen, and they're two brilliant quarterbacks. So it's going to be an interesting uh, quarterback duel. Definitely, if you're watching any of the highlights from the weekend, Bills Ravens is going to be uh, a great game. It's a pity it's on so late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then just a quick word on tomorrow's games. Uh, you have uh, the Browns, who are like a real kind of underdog team. They haven't been in the playoffs since uh, 2000 against the Kansas City Chiefs, who are the best team in the NFL. So that's going to be a really interesting game. And then on Sunday night, uh, you have Tom Brady against Drew Brees, who are like two of the oldest quarterbacks uh, in the league. And um, that's going to be a real kind of interesting kind of matchup uh Tom Brady, he's gone to Tampa Bay uh, trying to to win a Super Bowl without uh, the Patriots, and he's kind of he's getting pretty close. But against the New Orleans Saints, who uh, Drew Brees um, plays for, uh, they kind of beaten them twice already this year. Uh, the Saints won both games, so it's going to be interesting. Can uh, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady uh, pull out results in New Orleans? In New Orleans, it's going to be an interesting kind of game, but. Uh, the record has been in Drew Brees' uh, favour, and there's not many people who can kind of say that against uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. No worries. You didn't get any of that, did you? <laughs> I did, I did, I did. <laughs> I was actually trying to do a bit of reading, uh, catching up with what you were saying as well. Um, yeah. One question I'd have for uh, two questions on that, Robbie, is are the, is the virus decimating the say the NFL as much as it would be other sports. I mean, from what I know, there'd be no crowds as yet at games. So I'm, I know it's a highly professional game, highly paid, highly endorsed, high, high advertisement, everything. But would they be suffering, say, now compared, say, to previous years? I say leaving the crowd aspect out of it. Are they still earning the same money, you could say, are still earning a good amount? Without the yeah, game. I think there's like you know the money is is uh, there's there's tons of money in the NFL like you know so I don't think because they like all these games are such massive rights on TV and stuff like that so I don't think they're kind of you know maybe it might affect maybe new players coming in and stuff like that but you know I don't think any of these guys have taken any sort of wage cuts or anything like that um like in terms of the the COVID thing, like they don't really cancel games for people if they get if the if players contract COVID, um, it's just kind of the next man up and they kind of kind of keep going like that. Um, but they have had like a lot of cases of COVID in the league. Um, yeah. But then as well, like sometimes in some states, like there's there's half empty stadiums and other stadium other uh, states just completely empty stadiums. So it goes by state by state. So. Um, I think for the games, uh, there will be some fans at, I think, all the games really be like, be all kind of socially distanced and stuff. But there will be some fans at all the games uh, over the weekend, I'd say. And the second question I'd have, and it's one that would be kind of intriguing me for the past past few years, hearing about the Super Bowl and that. 
how are they sometimes surprise packages in the Super Bowl? Like, if you, say, take the All-Earned Football Championship, you, you know it's either going to be Dublin, Mayo, Kerry, Cork, Tyrone, or that. Teams with a track record may make the final. And, say, soccer, you know it's going to be some of the top teams, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, the likes of that. And then I won't even go down rugby, Leinster, Munster, all of that. How, are they, how can there be some surprise packages that make the Super Bowl? Like well, nearly every year, there's one team that may not have won for the past fifty year or thirty forty year. Is it just it's such an unpredictable game and it's kind of on the day? Or it's more to do with the draft. So say um, Jacksonville Jaguars are the worst team in the NFL. They were ranked uh, thirty two out of the thirty two teams. Uh, but in the NFL draft, they're going to get the best player the best player from college is going to play for them. So that's uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's like meant to be absolutely uh, an incredible player. So like if you take that player and you put him in a rel- uh, in a bad team, they're going to play a lot better. You know the way? So yeah. that's the whole thing with the NFL. It's kind of, it's about giving the weaker teams the better players. So that's why you would have uh, teams kind of who, like you wouldn't even hear about them for a while. And then they come along and they win a Super Bowl, and then they go away. Like, you know the way? So, and it can be complex enough with like um like you have to sign players from free agency or you have to trade so say like if you it's not like a, a man city scenario where you can accumulate tons and tons of players that are really good you have to trade your players if you know what i mean so yeah. if you wanted say if you were to bring it to soccer um if you wanted um to get say Salah from Liverpool, you'd have to trade one of your players to get him. You know the way. So that's why it's always kind of like a little give and a little bit of take. You know. Yeah, I hope the listeners don't think I'm completely uh, gobshite asking that, but it was something that was intriguing me because it's something you hear. And actually, one final question. I lied. There's actually one question leading from that. Do you think that could be the solution for the the differences in GA? say I know Liam was saying it and you were saying it on a couple of podcasts could you see the likes of Brian Fenton would you think the likes of Brian Fenton going to Leitrim or David Clifford going to Sligo could be the way to go for the GA going forward instead of splitting the likes of Dublin leave the counties the way they are but kind of do it was slightly done with rugby where some some players were put into Connacht now I, like I say, rugby isn't my strong point. I stand corrected on that. But I thought there was some agreement there that some players had to go. Do you think that could be the solution for the GEA, that that kind of, that kind of system be introduced, that you no longer be maybe playing for your county, but you have kind of players being traded around? Yeah, well, like it might come to something like that. Um, I think, though, like... Like the GA is a brilliant organization, but they're quite uh, parochial and traditional with a lot of their kind of thinking about stuff, you know the way? So yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like the Catholic church, like the, the change is going to be so slow. It's going to be like, you know, an iceberg moving sort of thing. Like there's, I don't think there's the will in the GA to do something like that. And there'd be too many people objecting and all this sort of stuff, like, you know the way? So but like, would it help the game? Yeah, it would help the game massively. Like, if there was kind of radical changes, especially like on the football front. You know, I don't see Dublin dominating for forever and stuff like that. But um, 
for me, I would like to see a radical overhaul of the GA with maybe professional teams, uh, maybe like 16 professional teams. Don't go by the county, uh, just kind of divide up the, uh, but based on population, have like 16 teams based on like the population density of an area and, you know, go like that and do like a proper thing. I think that could be really beneficial, but uh, yeah. It's never going to happen. <laughs> no, no. Actually, it just never. leads me. I know I'm muffling on here a lot, but it just kind of leads me. We're chatting there. I know we're chatting NFL and I brought GA into it. It was just completely by accident. It was just what you were saying. I thought it'd be a solution. But what do you think? And especially being from Dublin as well. What do you think of what David Power, the Tipperary senior football manager, said during the week about the provincial system being dead? even though Tipperary won the Munster Championship for the first time in, God, what was it, seven, or I don't know, I don't know how 80 long. 80 years. 80, 80 years, years. sorry, in 80 years. Like, do you think that the, the likes of that statement will have to get the GEA to change? I know you're saying the chances of it happening is very slim, but if you have someone that's, not after winning a provincial title for 80 years. I saw what it done for Leash when they won the provincial in 2003, Westmead 2004. There's great joy and all of that. But do you think the GA have to maybe look at scrapping the provincial system now, go to a Champions League format and maybe play provincial as kind of the likes of a pre-season or something? Yeah, well, like, it definitely, like, needs a massive overhaul, I think. I think, you know, like, there is, like, some merit, like, when you see these teams coming through, like, in Cavan won an Ulster title, and it was almost kind of booking the trend, you know, but, like, there's so few and far between these things happening. Like, <laughs> I don't, like, I don't see, like, for a lot of the, we can call them kind of weaker counties or whatever, like, I can see a lot, a lot of, you know, like players, like it could be like really good players in a really weak county, and they're like, "Why should I bother even sacrificing? Because I'm just going to get thumped by this team or whatever year after year after year after year." And that will turn even a lot of the really good players in the county would kind of make them kind of question playing, you know. So yeah. there's probably so many players that have been lost because they've been kind of sick of the way things are in terms of like um, just not never winning and all that sort of stuff, you know. So you kind of you're losing a lot of players anyway that way. So definitely if there was like some sort of fairness where there was kind of um, a better system and like the kind of provincial championships, like Dublin have won, I don't know how many Lancer titles and Kerry have won how many Munster titles. And like, yeah. and fair enough, it's a bit more uh, competitive in Ulster. But like realistically, like that's the only county where, it, or the only province where it's like, you know, there's a few teams that can win it, you know, like, so like in, in Connacht, you've got Mayo Galway, Sometimes Roscommon, apart from that, like Leitrim Sligo never win it. And like Tipperary and Clare won a monster football title in 95. Um, yeah, like it's it's definitely getting less um, kind of watchable and stuff like that. And I suppose like the qualifiers are kind of a good kind of a tangent to have for kind of counties to go on a run and stuff like that. But um yeah, like if, if it was up to me, I would keep the provincial structure at underage because it's like uh, every year you have like a, a new crack of the whip almost with the, with the players you have. Um, keep it like underage. And then when it gets to like senior, you have like a, a draft system where you're kind of drafting in players and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what yeah. I think should happen. Um, but maybe realistic change would be scrap the provincials and move to uh, like a, a group 
a group phase and then kind of have um, a group phase followed by knockout then after that. That's probably a more realistic thing to happen. Yeah, before I go off on another tangent, Robbie, I hand back control to you. <laughs> Sorry. No worries. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Um, yeah, so we're just going to go to our uh, top picks uh, for the week. What are, what are your picks, TJ? Um, this is an old one, actually. Well, maybe not that old. I was watching, and I don't know what platform it's on. Um, I, I purchased them on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's actually CarShare. Did you ever see it? It came out in 2017. They're short episodes of about 20 to 30 minutes. It's Peter Kay and another comical genius, Sean uh, Gibson. And um, yeah, they're just brilliant. What it is, is they both work for a supermarket. Peter Kay is the deputy manager of supermarket. And they set up this car share scheme. So it's kind of slightly a bit like carpool karaoke, but it's just a journey in the car share, um, both going to work and come back from work and some things outside of work as well. So it's actually funny. It really is funny. So, yeah, I know they're available on Amazon Prime. uh, That's but I'm not going to say any more. Be, because... Okay, no worries. <laughs> no problem. Uh, uh, I'll go for my picks there really quick. Uh, so I've been kind of uh, digging back into Hardy books, and I'll put up a poll on the Instagram during the week about if uh, people like it. And it was kind of split fairly uh, fairly even. Some people like it and some people don't. And I think that's kind of the show it is. But uh, for me, it's just it's just hilarious and it's just crazy the way they go on and the kind of things that they be saying and just kind of hilarious. And that's on, on Netflix and um, it might be on the RT player as well. Cause it was on there. And um, another thing I know I'm kind of like, so late to the party on this uh, is the wire. I started watching it uh, last night and I know people are going to be like, Oh my God, he's only starting to watch this now. Cause the show has been out for years, but um, it seems like obviously it's, it's been won loads of awards and stuff like that. So it is a great show. Uh, but uh, if you haven't watched it, <laughs> you can watch it along with me now. It's on, uh, it's on, um, I think it's on like now TV on the box set. You can get it on the entertainment thing. Uh, so that can, that can be a good one to, uh, to watch. And also uh, Vikings, I mentioned it before. Um, that's kind of out at the moment. It's on RT too. There's uh so you can get that on the, on the RT player as well. And you've got, um, what you might call it. It's new episodes every every Wednesday and stuff like that. So that's pretty good. Have you any other picks? Uh, no, uh, that's mine. Um, that's, would you believe the name's escaping of me now? So that's why I wasn't going to say it. But uh, that program was mentioned about the serial killer in LA last week. That's up on Netflix from the 13th. Um, I tuned it. Oh, out. yeah, I've seen that. was seen that was out. It's like number one in Ireland now, I think. Yeah, I started watching about 15 minutes of the first episode and it seemed really good but I got distracted then and I haven't gone back to it since I actually went to car share um, so actually the, that Hardy Bucks is just brilliant I can't I never watched The Wire so I can't comment on it so I'm definitely <laughs> late to the party uh, the party's over nearly now before I arrive uh, but Hardy yeah. Bucks was just brilliant like the the Viper like it's just yeah. <laughs> Viper. Uh, I love uh, French toast and uh, Buzz as well. Buzz really good, and yeah. uh, obviously uh, Eddie Durkin is uh, is pretty hilarious as well. And even Eddie Durkin's mom is brilliant as well. She's just kind of always giving yeah. out to him. And 
Yeah, or his uncle as well is brilliant as well, the way he goes out. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. definitely Hardy Books is, uh, is a great one. Great Irish comedy. Yeah. Cool TV. Okay. So, uh, I think we'll we'll leave it at that. So, uh, as always, guys, you can find us on Facebook, Two Hands in a Hurl Podcast, and you can find us on uh, Instagram as well. So, uh, you know, we, all, we always love uh, interaction and comments and uh, messages and stuff like that. So, uh, keep them coming through. Uh, so, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, have a great weekend. And enjoy all the stuff we kind of uh, we teed up for you there. And uh, have a great weekend, TJ. Thanks, a million. Same to you, Robbie. And no worries. We're gonna we're gonna skip listening. the high ball as well this week. So uh, just because there's only the two of us, so uh, we'll leave it there. Okay. Have a good one, TJ. Same to you. Good luck. All right. Bye 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 b